is a DRPG exclusive. You're listening to Creative Comms World. The industry's one-of-a-kind radio experience. Hello and welcome to this episode of Creative Comms World with me, your host as always, Luke Bartlett. In this episode, I sit down with the one, the only Mr. Joe Keyes, the RPG's in-house photographer, where we uncover the surprising factors of photography, how creative vision meets client brief, and following your creative passions. It's an incredible episode and one you definitely don't want to miss. Jokies, thank you so much for taking up the Creative Commons World hot seat. Thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. Um, I always like to start with your role here at DRPG. So for those that don't know, what is your role? Photographer. Straightforward as that, really, on paper. I cover all sorts of aspects within that, though. It can be touching on sort of advising production to actually taking the shots. So, yeah, it's an ever-evolving role as well. And this is something you came into in around 2016, I believe, uh, as a full-time profession. Before then, I want to take you back a little bit. You're actually a sound engineer. Is that correct? Yeah. So tell me about those early days. Yeah, well, I'm a musician and I was too punk to learn proper music. So I did audio engineering, which suited me down to a T because I've always wanted to, you know, crack things open and see how they work. I'm quite a technically minded person. So I found my way from recording unsigned bands to doing live sound for corporate events and at DRP. Within that, it's kind of like problem solving. Um, Would you agree with that? Yeah. It's a lot of uh, troubleshooting and whatnot. Yeah. If an event went perfectly well every time, something's awry. There's always something to uh, problem solve. That's what makes it interesting. So why the eventual switch to photography? Tell me about that time. You know what? I don't know why. (laughs) Other than just fancying a bit of a change, I I guess I just got an itch. I was getting really into photography, actually, at the time I started. So I've actually known how to use a camera now for about 10 years, which is the same time as I've been here. I guess a few years in, I was just always carrying my camera around with me on events. I was taking some extra photos, and it just crept up that if client did need a photo or we could do with just some behind the scenes of it or the shot of the set because it looks good. If I was on site, then I could do it. And then I think it just came to a bit of a to and fro between the people asking for photography and people asking me to set a projection of what I should be doing on site. And so a call had to be made, really, of what my career future was going to be. And so I said, you know what, let's do photography. Why not? So it started out as a real labour of love then. So, you know, in your spare time and then, like you say, at work, you started picking up the camera and taking it out. Those early times when you made that switch, was it kind of a a freeing feeling of, oh, this is where I should be, this is what I should be doing? No. It was... uh, (laughs) um, Was it freeing? I don't know. It was a new challenge. It was definitely very different. I had to learn to let go of some things you know in those days it, a lot of what I covered was shooting events and so I had to remember to not be the event team as well so I had to readjust myself at the time I didn't know if photography was going to be a career I then stuck with or whether that was something I was going to try and maybe I'd move to something else so I was still young 
essentially still looking for if there were if there was anything that you know I was going to stick with for life but I remember joining DRPG and actually saying even in the interviews that the company interested me because of how much it had under one roof and that maybe I would like to try other things down the line come on as one career and just see if anything else interested me and um the film side of the team interested me at the time i just didn't know i, I guess um and so that as a as a new challenge as well because we were we were treading new waters and i was a very young photographer when i look at my work now it was i mean i was doing what the client needed then but i know i've improved leaps and bounds so i didn't know that i could do it i just wanted the challenge to see if i could and went for it yeah. Was it hard to, you know, you're known as the sound engineer for however long you were doing that. And then was it hard to identify as a photographer to sort of make that switch and, and believe it yourself? I guess before I was a photographer professionally, I was still considering myself as a photographer as a hobby. You know, I was still doing quite a lot of photography and getting myself sort of a bit of a presence online and just getting involved with the community. So I already considered myself a photographer. And I think to this day, I don't consider that I'm not a sound engineer because I still produce music myself and record friends' music, record my wife's music and stuff like that. So I'm still in that. I still nerd out about it. I still look at the forums and the latest gear to do with audio. And even in COVID, I, I was helping out with the audio team here for some, you know, for some soundtrack stuff for films. So I just I dabbled in that. So I consider that I'm I'm still all these things. I don't necessarily consider that a photographer is my identity. Yeah. They're like acquired skill sets along the way, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, within photography, I suppose it's one of those things that is outwardly creative, you know, people associated with being creative. What's one of the most surprising factors of photography? Something that you wouldn't think of as being creative that actually ends up being very much that. I think what I brought on from my technical role, although I studied sound engineering and I started doing projection and live video switching and stuff like that, I was also just doing smaller events and building sets and things like that and just getting very used to using a drill. You wouldn't think that as a photographer, using a drill is a very good skill to have. And just having the mindset of that back to that problem solving, that, you know, all these things we use, we're looking around now, we've got the studio full of full of lights and the modifiers really we're just looking at, at what is literally an umbrella on a light and if you are a bit like short kitted you can make something up so if you need to soften light and you haven't got a diffuser that's got a brand on it and is constructed in a particular way you can get a big piece of paper and do the same thing so it's that sort of um a construction mindset of thinking on you on your feet about being sort of willing to experiment yeah yeah and just realizing that um you know the things that we use are just materials as any materials as are any materials and you know you can you can do things with everyday household objects that you wouldn't realize you can do and if you sort of keep yourself open-minded to that you can get surprisingly creative and probably more creative than you would if you just had a normal diffuser you might end up with something more interesting and did it by the book kind of thing um, yeah. uh, have you uh, got any you know amazing results from doing that kind of thing you know experimenting with kit and using what you have to hand at the time 
Yeah, um, particularly basically using rooms like humongous diffusers is what we often do with light, is to bounce it and then you get softer light back. It's something that people don't realise. You might see a photographer and their flash is pointing the wrong way. It's not pointing at you. And that's because we can use a room to soften all the light and it, to make it look look natural, make it look more natural. So, yeah, it's, it's, there's some very unusual things that we do actually use all the time. So it seems like there's so much that goes into it. It's not just about, you know, being able to photograph a person. It's having to know about the environment you're in and how you can use that and how you can manipulate other things to achieve, you know, desired results. Mm. How does one go about learning things like that? Is it textbook stuff? Uh, it's the modern textbook. It's the University of YouTube. Yeah, that's what I, I studied on. Um, and just experimenting. Just because we can get this stuff nowadays, you know, you're not going to take a picture and then wondering if it, it's worked until you can get it done in the dark room and then go back and try again. We can see these immediate results. So you can always just try something new very quick in the moment. In the film days, there was a lot of photographers that could work on the basis of knowing what will get the exposure in any given situation. And I think when digital came around, it probably killed that kind of photographer that was just going to definitely get the shot. And suddenly the photographer has to be more creative about the shot because you can be. So as a photographer, how are you creative? I consider myself creative in quite a traditional respect, the same way um, a painter or 2D designer sort of sees the world in shapes, in colours, uh, quite abstractly in that respect. And when I go to frame up a shot, I want to see a set of triangles or the trio of prime colours and, and things like that. I think my creativity actually boils down to sort of a minimalist aesthetic that can actually be seen across all sorts of uh, creative outlets sticking on the topic of creativity obviously we work for an agency here we work with many different clients who have different briefs where does creative vision meet a client brief can the two sort of meet in the middle happily i like this question because yes it can but the secret is it's best if it doesn't I would personally advise any client commissioning any creative to give them full reign and just go for it. And you get surprising results. And of course, we, ch we challenge that with actually balancing the message that needs to come across and whether it is going to come across. Um, and, you know, the modern landscape of inclusivity and diversity, we, we need to make sure we hit. You just got this balancing act. And I think it would be true for photography. I listened to a podcast by uh, a guy called Grant Scott, uh, United Nations of Photography. podcast is called uh, The Photographic Life, I think. That's what it's called. I'm subscribed now. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he says that the best brief is no brief, but the client has to then have no expectations of what's going to come back other than your confidence in the creative that you commissioned and what they have a track record of producing. Although we can, and we regularly do, balance these two, I, th I personally think it works really well when a client can is al just allowed to let something happen or more organically. But it's hard. And I think I have a suspicion that anyone that commissions 
any sort of creative role will want that initially, but then has to think about, you know, the goals of whatever that project is and things get sort of taken back and nipped and tucked. But we always push towards it. You're saying there's an initial, um, when the initial commission comes in, it's done out of a love for the for the photographer and their work and the creative vision that they have. Mm. But actually the person commission is often held back by those guidelines put in place by company or whatever else. Yeah, yeah, may well be. Sometimes, you know, when we think about um, creativity, we can actually be more creative with limits. And I definitely see that with some brand guidelines that will we'll put out something that's actually quite challenging and once you work with that challenge you can actually get a surprising result we've seen some brand guidelines that's sort of requested not to have dirty framing as we call it which is like foreground objects which we can often sort of lean on i suppose to fill up our compositions in the frame in photography and film and when you remove that as a sort of crutch that you might actually be just sort of leaning on you're then forced to make something more interesting of your composition or something unusual for your composition. So it can work both ways, definitely work both ways. With photography, there's a lot more that goes into it than just being there on the day and getting the shots. Of course, you've got editing after the fact. Mm. Have you ever got back to the editing room and sort of not been able to salvage your shot and had to sort of creatively think your way out of a, a problem there thankfully not there's there's definitely some images that i've taken that i wish the situation would have been different particularly at events there's some areas in events that are just sort of dark for a purpose for the mood of the event but then for, as a photographer it's like this is a nightmare <laughs> the, the one thing i need is light and if you're in somewhere like the nec you know you're not going to do that bouncing light around trick and making it look good can be a challenge um, but thankfully, I've not gone to a shoot where I thought well, I couldn't pull it back in the edit. But I have looked at ones where I've just, I guess I have the mindset that I never want to pull it back in the edit. I, I want to get it right then. I think there is definitely a trend in photography where people's mindset is to fix it in post. Uh, we do it in film as well, fix it in post. And I just, my ethos is I just don't believe in it. There's certain things you can plan for, for post, you know, you can shoot someone on a white background, so you can definitely change the background colour to whatever it needs to be later. But getting a shot right in camera on the day is second to none. So I always just try to make that happen. And I'd say the timeline of photography, if people think that, you know, you get the shot and then there's a lot of post work, I'd say to, if it's the other way around, that's how you get the best results. A lot of pre-work. And then, you you know, you can spend a good few hours setting up a scene, styling it, getting the models in the right place, getting all the lighting right, getting your angles and framing right, focal lengths and all the, you know, the complicated stuff right. Then to actually get the shot is 125th of a second and you're done. You pack up, <laughs> you move on to the next scene. So, because it's a strange way to work, to, for all that work to go move on but that will ultimately always be planning anything to be done in post the pressure's taken away then it seems if you've done the groundwork beforehand that yeah. shot is enjoyable even yeah. to take because you know it's absolutely done yeah yeah and i think back to some you know some of my favorite images that i wouldn't have necessarily put in the legwork to get if we're building an event for two days 
to go live for all of you know a few hours maybe in in the main room those environments tend to look incredible and i just need to turn up and take the shot of our man on stage and there we go it's done but the pre-work for that shot really was building an event you know building an experience why do you think there's so much reliance on fixing it in post do you think that's a, a direct result of social media and, and so many like you say the school of youtube do you think mm. it's a direct result of things like that yeah i do i mean it could do some incredible things making a shot you know have blue sky instead of gray skies can can do wonders for it but i think it's just the way that that's then presented sort of online is that is that the post work what's the work i think people want to show off what they can do in, in photoshop um because it is a skill you know i i don't even do that much retouching myself and we have retouchers in design that can that can do incredible things to change an image but yeah i guess it's just the way, the way that that is presented as a skill is then sort of seen as an essential part of the process when it doesn't really it should be sort of um a reactive part of the process as opposed to the proactive part with things like instagram we're seeing a lot at the minute of uh behind the scenes videos, reels specifically, where people are showing actually what goes into getting a shot. Does that detract from the actual shot itself where more emphasis is put on, look at how cool the setup is, look at how cool the, the you know, the camera I'm using is rather than actually that's a very nice, you know, piece of work you've just captured. Mm. Well, I definitely see it sort of the other way around where they seem to put a lot of effort into a shot that I've not found particularly impressive. <laughs> um, but I, I think it, it can at least demystify some things. Often seeing, you know, home hacks sort of um, everyday objects being able to be used creatively in photography. You know, hold your hand up in front of the light for a dappled effect. You don't need any sort of rigging for that. You can just grab a plant. But I think then that, yeah, the danger is that it puts, it's almost working to put a lot of weight on the shot when I think the shot should be able to speak for itself and sort of explaining what goes into a shot can detract from what its purpose is really. So you can find the whole rig an impressive thing, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't get the shot, then. Pointless. Yeah. If the end product is not there, yeah. Yeah. And if the end product is good, then it shouldn't really matter that, hey, I've got the latest Sony to shoot this on um see we see a lot of that sort of pov with the camera and stuff um that sort of puts a lot of emphasis on that latest and greatest gear but a good shot can be taken on some really bad gear often within film it's said that narrative is king so without narrative you've just got a bunch of random shots is it the same principle that can be applied to photography can a photo stand alone or does it need to be within a narrative I think it's all about the context for photography. Some of the best photographs in history will stand on their own. A great photograph will always stand on its own. But we can have a lot of nice photographs that are kind of pointless without a great deal of context. If we're to photograph interiors that we do a lot, we can have a very nice interior. But the purpose of that shot, why we need to find it intriguing, is lost without the rest of the house and understanding you know that this is client work that we've documented so it's a tricky one with photography i think a lot of photographers talk about getting that one shot i'm a big fan of street photography that's that's my hobby 
sort of keeps my interest in photography alive. That's always about getting one shot, chasing one shot. But actually, quite often when we look at a street photographer's portfolio of work, we do build the narrative of, of the time. And it becomes a social documentary. It's always about chasing composition or a crazy moment and that hero shot. But anyone's perspective on the world will build the narrative eventually. So we sit in a strange limbo like that because we should be able to say a thousand words with a picture. But when we start building up more, we, it essentially becomes a film of still images. You've actually worked with narrative in photography in the sense that you have uh, your own book, Dark Corners. Can you tell me a bit about that? How did that come to be and uh, what inspired it? Yeah, well, that is actually very much from, as I just said, it, 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 that was single images that were eventually collated into something that actually I found to be a narrative and not something that I just sort of plucked out of thin air either, something I realised of myself. So it's very sort of um, self-evaluative, if I've gotten all that word out right. <laughs> um, yeah, so dark, dark Corners came from, you know, I travel a lot for work. I've always travelled for work since, you know, becoming a full professional as a live event technician. And as I've grown older, essentially, that's just become more difficult and more impactful on my life. And so traveling at, at one point where I was going through a lot of, you know, personal challenges, traveling really got in the way. And I didn't know what to do with myself, to be honest, because um, I'd often at home, I can sit on a guitar or I can, you know, I can go meet people and socialize, etc. Uh, but photography is quite a solo job quite a lot of the time. There's plenty of times where we work as a team on site, but it's it's often yourself and the camera. And that's quite that's quite a, you know a legacy situation, the lone traveling photographer. So I just sort of I decided to take what I was doing every day and actually make it creative to me again. Um, but I was alone in hotel rooms, so the images then became the opposite of what I was doing in the day. Really, I was getting a bright corporate life of people enjoying themselves in their jobs, and you know, showing great places to work, people doing great work. And then the flip side to that was that. I'd be alone in a hotel room and it can be completely dark. So the images actually had this contrast to them as well. Um, and that's when I was, you know, alone to sort of collate my thoughts. So I'd be taking those images and they just sort of interested me on a purely compositional basis of how light coming in through um, a window in a signature purple hue would make something interesting within the room. And it was just something to focus focus my mind on of just light patterns or shapes and whatever it might be but then when it built up I then had a body of work that sort of demonstrated to me what my mental um, state was at the time. It seemed like it reflected your day-to-day -day then at that time so it tells a narrative of where you're at in your life. Yeah. So yeah. rather than actually you going with a preset narrative of what you want to do when you're collating this project it was actually just about collecting them together because I'd already told the story of where you're yeah. at. Yeah, yeah. It told the story for me. I didn't realise until I looked back, until I've just found it. So I've got quite a lot of these now. And suddenly 30 of them actually told the story of several months probably. And, you know, it's not an obvious narrative, but I think people that have seen it and can relate to it understand it quite resonantly, you know. For those wanting to get into photography or for photographers trying to piece together a project themselves, do you have any advice for that? 
when it comes to projects, I'd per- I would personally advise if, you, if you're really thinking of trying to identify a project, stop. Because when, it, when it's personal projects, if it's not apparent to you, I, I think you'll be forcing it. And I think you can see that when you, when you make work. If I force myself to write a song, it won't be a good song. And chord progressions seem to come out of the ether when I do write a good song. And you just don't really know why. And it needs to be the same as that for photography. And when you're getting into photography as well, when you're very first picking up the camera, if you're not enamoured with it, don't worry. Do something else, you know. Um, because to be good at any of these creative roles, you really have to just be obsessed. And that's what most of us are here, you know, when we're in these creative roles. We really are obsessed. We do it as a day job and we do it as a hobby. So I understand there's four key pillars of photography. There may be more, I may be wrong, but uh, I understand them to be uh, sharpness, light, uh, composition, and exposure. Do you agree with those or, or, or are there more we're missing out there? That will make a photograph, but I think the wording around each one of those would be appropriate because when we look at photography, we're often enamored with sharpness when we're looking at you know specking out the gear but it should be appropriate sharpness sometimes we do actually want to soften things down for the look of an image appropriate exposure sometimes they should be darker than correct than your little meter will actually tell you it should be appropriate light you know lighting itself is a whole it's a whole subcategory to learn i think learning photography and learning light are interconnected, but light is just the the base of the iceberg, if you like. Photography's the tip. And what was the other one? We've got exposure, composition, sharpness, sharpness. And, sharpness, and yeah, light was yeah. Oh, composition, yeah, composition. Composition is another part of the iceberg, I think. And um, composition is very interesting because it's subjective. Light will essentially be subjective but it could be applicable. But composition will be subjective. And composition runs through all sorts of things. It will run through designing a 2D page. It will run through how a film will move from one part of the scene to another. So a composition as a pillar for photography is, is definitely a pillar. But again, that's just like a whole different thing. Now, like with the evolution of the service here at the RPG, how often do you refer back to those foundations of photography? Do you rely on them daily, would you say? Every time I look at the viewfinder, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Composition is always my first thing. Then get the light right if I can control it. Often can't control it. And then exposure and sharpness just sort of has to click into place, quite literally. No matter how many years under the belt you have of uh, you know being a photographer and being in the industry and being out there and, and doing the yeah. work, it's still important then, it sounds, to refer back to those key foundations. Yeah. Especially composition, 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 composition. You just put that as the four pillars, four compositions. So I mentioned there the the evolution of the service. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? What does that entail exactly? The evolution of the service. Well, photography at DRPG is quite an interesting one because it's always been a service before myself, before anyone even had a camera in-house. Photography would still be a part of it. We'll hire a camera or we'll hire a photographer with a camera. Um... You know, things have to be documented. 
um, or they didn't happen. We need to have photography as part of this business. The way it's worked for the past few years for myself, from documenting events to uh, you know taking on in interiors and homes or doing lifestyle shoots and product shoots, it's sort of been bit by bit. And now we're at a point where we can say, you know what, we've got the talent in-house in more than bucket loads. So let's push that to the next level. And we've got a lot more in-house that can support that, such as the studios here as well. So the new offering as it is, is, is a new chapter. I feel like I've been doing the prologue for a little while and now we're getting into the, the meat of the story, I think. Is it a nice feeling to see something you've worked on for so long and, and so hard, you know, evolve in this way? Absolutely. It's always been the aim for photography to grow it, potentially get new photographers and potentially bring in what other services we can, such as styling and art direction. So yeah, it is a huge sense of achievement and it's also sort of at a precipice. We need to launch off and we are launching off. But where that actually goes, no one's entirely sure. It will all be positive, but it's quite nice to know sort of what we're going to find down the road being a bit of a mystery at the moment. As part of the new service, we've been doing a lot of product photography. What goes into product photography exactly? More than I even realise, because <laughs> Jenny's really flying the flag for product photography uh, and her research and she's just like experimenting daily in the studios with product photography. That is where every little trick in the book will come out. You'd think you could photograph a can of cola with a nice camera and lens and put a light on it, but that's not how it works. And um, that is that is certainly one of those situations where all that pre-work and planning will pay off when you hit that shutter button. But the post-work that we can do with that actually comes to life, and particularly when we plan for the post-work as well. Um, we can make things quite unreal. You know, I'm the kind of photographer to document reality, really. That's what I feel my style is, whether it's completely candid on the street or whether it's you know portraits of people. I get things as they appear, Whereas product photography is really um, about pulling out a vision from your head and constructing something that's quite beyond reality. You mentioned there your style of photography outside of work as well, so capturing people in the moment. I know you do uh, a lot of uh, wedding photography as well. Mm. And uh, I suppose this lends itself to working with clients too. When you're at an event and you know, people having a great time, like a wedding or a corporate event or whatever it is. And your job is to capture that, you know, I suppose, raw emotion of the event or whatever it is. When you get that one shot, which you know is perfect, what's going through your mind? It can be a mix of emotions. Sometimes I don't know I've got it until I look back and I'm like, oh, oh, that's the one I wanted. Sometimes I see it in the moment and it's a sudden rush of hitting the shutter button as fast as I can. But when you know you've got it and you know you've got a special moment that's going to get probably going into your portfolio, it's a real elation. It's like it's like jazz. So much confusion most of the time, but then when they hit it and they all come together, it's like, oh, that was good. Yeah, and then you go back to sort of feeling your way around things again. It all makes sense in that moment. My final question for you, Joe, is uh, why are you a photographer? What keeps you 
doing this job? Why am I a photographer? You know, that probably just goes straight back to the beginning. I'm just a, an inquisitively creative person with a technical mindset on the side. When I was younger, I was always drawing. I was just drawing Batman and Pokemon um, until I sort of got to my teenage years and then my rebellion was in music. And photography just came up quite sudden. I just picked up a Steve McCurry book, a famous Magnum photographer, and I was like, I love the colours. These are incredible portraits. These are incredible motions from around the world. And so I just grabbed a camera off my dad, got messing, got obsessed, and here we are. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Luke. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creative Comms World. And thanks again to my guest, Mr. Joe Keys, for taking the time out of his busy schedule to sit down with me. For further episodes, please do be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll leave the links in the show notes below. But until then, we'll catch you in the next one.